Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com. Welcome to the Legendarium. It's a trap! Or the episode where the Legendarium Brain Trust talks Star Wars Rebels. You want this, don't you? Along with a touch of video game nostalgia and Star Wars trivia. Now witness the firepower of this fully armed and operational podcast. You will enjoy this episode. It is unavoidable. It is your destiny. I'm so excited nope, and I'm welcoming nope, you. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I'm going to cut it right now. I'm going to start us over again. I there's, don't think you are. There's no way every week is rewriting the theme song. I didn't, I, I wasn't, I was chanting really more than singing. If you think about <sighs> Your it. heathen chants. Does Craig <laughs> think he's Eminem? <laughs> I didn't say Only rap. the candy. <laughs> um, so welcome everybody. Now that uh, we've uh, quote unquote introed. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we get this started. Welcome to our Star Wars Rebels podcast. Um, So I, of course, am Craig Hanks, of course, because you know the sultry sound of my dulcet tones. Um, And let's meet our usual collection of nerds. Now, question, what do you get when you combine rakish charm with a rake? Ken Johnson, that's what you get. Hi, Ken. The wife says, I am giving up sex to talk about Star Wars. You're welcome. Wow. <laughs> Do we have to bleep that? <laughs> oh, and we just went explicit. I'm, I'm pretty sorry. sure you can say sex. That's okay. Uh, he puts the strange in Stranger Danger. It's Todd Wenty. Yes, I do, actually. And he once held up a liquor store with nothing but a smile and a plastic lightsaber. It's Ryan, a J. Bruckman. And they still carded me. <laughs> it wasn't for the lightsaber. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, uh, before we get started uh, on our Star Wars stuff, a quick reminder coming up next week, we are recording The Women of the Lord of the Rings. I'm very excited. Ryan is not excited. That's Ooh. not true. Oh, he's. He, well, he's. I am. Uh, it's not that I'm anxious. not excited. I am. Very aware of the dangerous grounds upon which I may be treading. <laughs> so were all um, the rest of us. After So two weeks from today, we will be uh, getting back on track with Mistborn. Mistborn Book 3, The Hero of Ages, uh, which I'm freaking out about. I'm at about page 100. I've been making all sorts of notes. And I can't help, as I'm reading it, but, but think, oh, what would Todd... What's Todd thinking as he gets to this point? Uh, what's he thinking? There's a lot of things I've been thinking. I don't think that about you, Ken, because I know you haven't even started it yet. Just so. give me some action. Yeah. Just give me action. Well, you gave that up to come to the podcast, so. And that's why Different Ken action. really enjoyed the new Star Wars novel, I'm sure. I really like Star Wars. Give me some action. So today we are talking about Star Wars Rebels. Uh, we're a few episodes in now. I think we've gotten through four, four, four. Episodes. You include Spark of, you include Spark yeah. of Rebellion. Yeah. Then four episodes. Um, so, in fact, my synopsis today is for Spark of Rebellion. For anybody who watched it but uh, was a little bit less familiar, or if you didn't get around to watching it yet and you don't mind a few spoilers, I will go ahead and provide that. You guys ready for my synopsis? No. Really. 
I'm just killing time. Go. Oh, okay. Great. Um, all right. So we start on the planet Lothal, where our young hero, Ezra, lives alone in the coolest little remote tower that I think I've ever seen a 14-year-old live in. How a teenager got those digs, I can't be sure, but I can be jealous of him. Ezra is cut from the same cloth as Aladdin, I think. Uh, he's a talented street thief with a heart of gold. It appears he'll only steal from those he feels deserve it, like the heartless bureaucrats and soldiers of the Empire. In this instance, though, he's not the only one after the Imperial loot. Ezra sees a few mysterious figures who appear to be prepping to rob the same cargo containers he's after. Those figures turn out to be the crew of the Starship Fire... Oh, sorry, I mean the Starship <laughs> Ghost. Uh, we have Kanan, the stern and enig enigmatic captain with uh, rather untrustworthy fa facial hair. Uh, Hera, the Twi'lek pilot and mother figure. Zeb, the muscle-bound enforcer. Sabine, the foxy in a cartoon kind of way. Mandalorian, a weapons and explosives expert. And Chopper, an astromech droid with weirdo arms and a serious case of insubordination. Uh, the Imperials, meanwhile, are led by the rather menacing Agent Callus, an officer of the SS, which stands for Imperial Security Bureau. Uh, so Ezra, the Imperials, and the crew of the Ghost all collide in some fun action and chase sequences until Ezra, who has attracted Kanan's attention, is left with no choice but to hop on board the Ghost, eventually joining the crew. He discovers Kanan's holocron. A holocron, Todd? Sweet. Yes. Um, and activates the message contained within. The issue, though, is that Ezra could only have activated it by using the, the Force. Kanan is revealed as a Jedi who survived Order 66, and Ezra has Jedi potential. Together, they could rule the galaxy as father figure and son figure. But really? that's probably not going to happen until you, like you season went, three. You went so. there? Come on. Wow. It was right there. <laughs> in in right fairness there. to Craig, the... Rebel series is rife with original series uh, illusions. So. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I get. He that. had to go. There. I get. He that. had to go there. Yeah. Sometimes you got to swing in a beatball when it's thrown over the plate. <laughs> <laughs> so did I miss anything? I think that. I mean, there's obviously little details, but I think that. Yeah, about no, covers I think it. that's good. I think that's good. So uh, yeah, we we meet the crew of the ghosts, and uh, it's a it's a motley that's a motley crew. <laughs> this time with an EW. Um, there's no umlaut, which. <laughs> Always makes me sad. There's no umlaut. <laughs> I'm just watching this joke just kind of work its way down. Just kind of there's, crashing. There's no mullet either. <laughs> Which always makes me sad. Um, what a slow descent this is taking. <laughs> Repulsor lifts. So... Uh, you guys, tell me uh, initial thoughts. I, I um, was going to say we join Ezra keeping one jump ahead of the lawman and one swing ahead of the sword. No, totally. <laughs> right. One swing ahead of the lightsaber. Yeah. yeah. The light sword, the laser sword. Um, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Um, oh, were you? I, I didn't expect it to be... Uh, I, I, was, I was hopeful that it would be fun, uh, and it was. I didn't expect it to be engaging, as engaging as it was. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised that way. What do you think, Ryan? Yay or nay? I've been a huge fan of this series so far. Um, to me, it if nothing else, it's been nostalgic to go and to experience Star Wars, having gone and watched the Clone Wars and, and doing and and having been through the other animation that they've done here. The difference here is I'm feeling, I'm hearing the music, the sounds, all the things from the original series that you know when you hear it, it just it. it for the fan, it awakens something inside of you. It turns that fan piece and just makes you get excited. Um, 
So to me, the, this has been a very fun, nostalgic ride. Is it a perfect story tell? Not necessarily, but you know what? It's got interesting characters, interesting adventures going on uh, so far, and a great set of villains they've introduced. And, you know, all in all, I'm willing to overlook the little things because, you know what? And it, When all is said and done, it's still aimed at 11, 12-year-old, 13-year-old kids, you know, around that age. It's But they're still appealing enough to those of us who are who grew up with star wars what are, oh sorry yeah, go the, ahead, the, the demographic that that disney was aiming at with this particular release is obviously you know uh preteen uh eight to preteen and and they do a they do a wonderful job and and as part of that you always have to expect that the child character is going to be the smart one um and the adults are always going to be a little bit buffoonish and so and they accomplish that with a couple of the characters zeb uh is obviously very buffoonish um, but, um, but he's also very well learned. Yeah. As is evidenced by the fact that he has an accent. Well, you know, everybody with an accent must be a bad guy, right? Um, or, or must be very intellectual. <laughs> one of the two, yeah. maybe a little bit of both. Um, but, but in spite of that, I, I think the thing that's been really interesting is that here we are, um, all, well, not all of us are, are parents at this point in time, but a couple of us now have children that yeah, are, we are all parents. Yeah, or are you, a, I was going to say we're all parents. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. Come on, man. Sorry. I need He's to get caught up on all of my bios. Um, uh, Christy asked me the other day that too. I'm sorry. I, I apologize, but I know that Craig and I, or Ryan, Ken, Ken and I have <laughs> teenage children, uh, well beyond the age that they're shooting for as far as their demographic. And we like them. And they've done a they've done a decent job. I mean, they're hitting their demographic with with what they've presented, but it is um, it is interesting and engaging enough that it can that it works well and plays well for an adult audience too. I, I would say if you uh, art should should build as you go through life, you you shouldn't have to leave it behind. Um, something that's made for an eight year old, if it's I, I would argue if it's done right. Mm-hmm. would be appealing to eight and up forever, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And the same thing, you know, down to as low an age as you want to go. My my wife watches Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood with yeah. with my little one-and-a-half-year-old son, and she likes it, you know. It's not that she thinks it's the most wonderful thing in the world, but it engages her, and she thinks it's fun, you know. So I, I would say if something's done well, there's no reason why four grown men in their it could enjoy this show right <laughs> absolutely and they've done and they've done a wonderful job with that and i think maybe part of the reason that that's the case um and, and maybe i'm just maybe it's just me but maybe part of the reason that that's the case is because when i came to the star wars universe i was in that demographic uh i was eight years old sitting on my mom's lap in the movie theater afraid for my life when darth vader stalked onto the scene um, and, and that, the, the nostalgic piece of that, like Ryan mentioned, um, really triggered is well triggered by this, by this series so far, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly the reason why it's exciting to us. At least that's the main reason why there are so many things in here that are familiar to young <laughs> somethings right <laughs> who who watched star wars the original you know episodes four five and six as little kids i mean you've got the the stormtroopers who still can't shoot worth a lick <laughs> you've got tie fighters that sound like tie fighters sounded like back then you oh that tie fighter sound oh, is just glorious is it, is it not great i mean you've got you, you've got all these things that you should have because this is only five years before a new hope 
yeah. begins. And so you've got all of this stuff that's building up to what you've already known. Which means, uh, by the way, that Luke and Ezra are about the same age. Very so, close. Yeah, very, very close. close. Ezra's just a little bit older, I think. Um, Ish. Yep. No, well, no yeah, I yeah. guess maybe. About the same age. About the same age. No, about the same age, yeah. Give or take. Um, and I'm excited for this because this ties in everything. Ties. Ties. <laughs> Everything in from from Clone Wars, which I still haven't finished, to uh, Revenge of the Sith, to now you know you've got that 19 year span that's going to be filled with books, and this is and just, possibly standalone movies and and standalone oh that'll be movies, great perhaps, yeah. yeah I hope they do that and, and and it caps off with Star Wars Rebels, which I think the first four episodes have been fun scene establishing epi- or, or universe establishing episodes there yeah. uh, one episode is just, just a 22 minute you know that's what yeah that's short. what they're all supposed to be. and and, um, and eventually it builds and we saw the one we just watched right before we started recording shows okay now we've got when the some inquisitor meat. shows up oh, yeah. inquisitor is so, cool. so i just had a thought that i don't want to dwell on too long but standalone movies uh before a new hope uh i would like to see a um a Boba Fett movie where a la Judge Dredd, he never takes off his helmet. Right? Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be cool. That would be interesting. Um, anyway. Especially because I don't think they can get the actor back to reprise that role <laughs> since Probably he's supposed so to be an unadulterated clone. Anyway, um, so speaking of Clone Wars, Ken, you said you haven't finished Clone Wars. Neither have I. Uh, Ryan and Todd, have you, have you guys both watched all fin- the way through? I have finished it, yes. Yep. It's on so, my to binge list. So, Ryan, why is Rebels so much better than Clone Wars? Because I haven't finished Clone Wars either, but I already would say this is superior in four episodes. Well, there's a, the, there's a caveat I want to put here is we're only four episodes in, you know, Jumping out of the gate so well does not necessarily make a full series amazing. So they could still all of a sudden turn to some very childish things. But things I would, that, but I would just, I would argue the first four episodes of this are far superior to the first four episodes of Clone Wars. To you the know, first four if episodes, you just want to yeah. do apples oh, yeah, to apples. I, I will tell you, if not you, that they were bad. I'm not saying they were bad. They just they felt lackluster to me, and I think Rebels has been well fantastic. Here's the thing with Clone Wars. There's there's a couple things with Clone Wars that I think. Uh, puts them at a disadvantage. I really like the sto- the Clone Wars story arc, and actually, the way that some of the characters were portrayed in the Clone Wars versus in the movies, the Anakin in the Clone Wars, I have, I would have been so much happier had he been like that in in the films. Um, but because so many of us have such a bad taste in our mouths from what the prequels did. Mm-hmm. We're taking and trying to make good stuff out of something that we already have a little bit of a a sour taste but on. behold an evil tree cannot give forth good fruit right i think thank i read you, that master, <laughs> thank you master philosopher <laughs> i think i read that somewhere but i to me that's the first thing they had to overcome is the fact that all right we're having to work inside a world that not everyone is super happy that exists the way it did, that it exists um i will say this for clone wars once they once the series progressed past the first little while and we got we took our character the the child character of ahsoka that kind of got her chance to be on her own. Uh, the series picks up and all of a sudden it becomes much more interesting because we're no longer focusing on the main story of the films, of the the Clone Wars setting up the Empire, and we're focusing on individual storylines of characters and it makes it more interesting. Um, as for why, it, you know, why is Rebels so much better right now? Because there is no overarching storyline yet that we already knew existed in Clone Wars. We already knew the end of Clone Wars. We knew where it went. 
rebels we know where where the rebellion is going but we don't know where these characters are going we know where anakin's going we know where obi-wan's going these guys are new these are new this is something new so we have this sense of anticipation and excitement it's the same way i feel about some of these other tv series that have recently started up like um gotham for example it may be a great tv series but the fact of the matter is yeah we know the end we know that they fail we know they can't make things better because otherwise batman wouldn't be around so i'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of the idea that's how I, what i feel with clone wars that was the one problem we I'm always also, knew where it was going to end up let me throw out there that the if i can get a little bit technical that the um the art and the sound design in rebels is better and what i mean is uh in clone wars you never they never let up on the sound i felt like it was always loud um where in in rebels you yeah you have your action scenes your chase sequences and and your tie fighters flying past and stuff but they take a few moments every now and then to just quiet down and people talk you know it's it's a it's a piece and and matt woolley talked about this a little bit when he was talking about about comic books and about um about children learning to read with comic books we 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 sometimes make an assumption that in order to hold the attention of uh of an eight-year-old or a preteen you need to have continuous action. And the reality is you don't. You need to have enough action and you need to have action that makes sense, that fits, but you don't need to have all action. In fact, it works really well to have moments where you allow the characters, especially if the primary character is going to be a preteen or a teenager themselves, you need moments where they have these awareness uh, blips that... Um, that allow the the, teen, the preteen or the, the child that's watching to relate to those pieces as well, because that's what life is. Life is events interrupted by these times where you have to sit and think about what just happened and try and make some sense out of it. Mm. Amen. Um, Ken, how does your wife feel about your crush on Sabine? Oh, I think you <laughs> are misdirecting the uh, question to me when you should be t- uh, uh, directing it toward Ryan. Well, we know Ryan has a huge crush. I mean, and, and we know that his wife is okay with I, it I because she say, changed her who, hair. Whose <laughs> that wife was amazing. willingly dyed her hair? Well, to, to, uh, the, before we get too, too excited Look at his about face. that. Look at his face. He's, he's very... He's very uncomfortable about this question. <laughs> no, before, we, before you get too crazy about that, if I were to tell my wife, hey, you should go ahead and do some crazy things with your hair at any point in time, regardless of what it is, she'd be like... That's great. She loves to do stuff like that. So the fact that it was something that she could actually make look great and, and do so well. So be like, can you make it look like the helmet of Sauron? But but when you... <laughs> she might do it for a day. Not likely much beyond that. But, but after you asked her to uh, tip her hair orange, how did she feel when you asked her if it was all right if you called her Sabine? <laughs> um, well, there wasn't much talking after that, so... <laughs> wow. To answer this your question, podcast just went in a very turned. interesting direction. To answer your yeah. question, by the way, if I asked my wife how she felt about Sabine, she would go, who? who? <laughs> <laughs> what? And I'd say, she's on Star Wars Rebels, and she would say, that, is that something stupid again? <laughs> you that's and what your, she would say. You and your geek friends. Oh, that's what she would say. Um, so, so here's a question, uh, Ryan, that's out of left field. Uh, the Inquisitor wields a double-bladed lightsaber correct with a ring around the hilt does yours do that does yours do that (laughs) and then it starts spinning around how does that lightsaber spin because the blades become independent of the hilt that just doesn't seem uh technically practical or possible 
Do you want me to actually pull up the Wikipedia page and is ex- that is it on there? Have you actually how- looked this up? Yes, I have actually oh, looked this up. Oh my word! You are you are quite the human being, my friend. <laughs> the, the extension that the circular piece is an extension of the hilt. No it, way! It rotates actually the the way it's designed. It's not rotating entirely. There's a single uh, connecting piece that hooks to the hilt. And the outside rotates and grabs on and pulls it around. So it's still connected to the crystal <laughs> chambers inside there and the energy cells. So I'm you know what? I'm so happy. <laughs> it's, it's not beyond the physics of a lightsaber. Oh, my word. Again, we come back to a, a critical piece. If you're going to create a world, it has to remain consistent. <laughs> and, they ha- and they do. I they guess. Do. I, yeah, I feel like that's kind of pounding a square peg into a round hole a little bit. But uh, whatever. It's it's Star Wars. I'm not going to worry about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting trivia question. Who was the first Jedi to use a double-bladed lightsaber? Uh, I don't know. First Jedi? Antigone. Oh, no, wait. The first Jedi? I don't... Uh... First first character within the Star Wars universe. How about that? Are you, talking, with, are you talking within canon or within that silliness that... Oh. Get out, Ken. <laughs> I love the fact that you're saying that. Um, let's leave it open. First character oh, ever just introduced. Tell us. We don't know. Xar Kun. I was going to say oh, Xar Kun. No. Why did I? Xar Kun. No, I thought Darth it was Kun. I'm debating. Was he the first, though? Yes. Uh, the first one that we're exposed to. The first okay. one that we're shown. Because so, I was actually just so cool. rereading his story the other day. Yes, where he where he walks in and says, I think you'll be impressed with some of the adjustments that I've, or improvements that I've made to my lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Skunk. Wah. <laughs> Uh, Wait, uh, what was Kun. that? What was that sound again? <laughs> that is that is exactly what it sounded like That's when the Inquisitor excellent. fired up his lightsaber. That's See, it, I have to say though, I'm reading a comic series right now, Dawn of the Jedi, that actually would it, it doesn't entirely def, uh, refute that point, but there were double bladed force sabers before Exar Kun's. But he was the first one to create a, a independently energized lightsaber. lightsaber. Oh That's gosh. correct. You guys. Ugh. You come on a nerd podcast and you're banging <laughs> your head against your microphone because hey, we're getting... Hey, <laughs> we're, we, we are all supporting you on the women of the Lord of the Rings. Know, so, true. you know, the, the woman give, us the the give us some room. Give us some room. I the one of the one of the things that I'm really liking about and you haven't asked me why I think the series is so good. Um <laughs> I am getting there. Oh, okay. Come should on, I man. should I wait? Nope. <laughs> um I, I agree with you the art is better. Um I I agree with the assessment that the that the Foley artists have done uh, a better job of plumbing and of and of pulling all of the pieces of the existing Star Wars universe and finding the ones that we all uh, are very nostalgic about and and want to have want to see um but i think the other thing that's really interesting about it is that it is giving us an opportunity to have a combination that was supposed to be there in the beginning and that is the jedi rogue or rogue jedi depending on how you want to look at it that originally was supposed to be han solo's role within the uh, movie yeah. universe. Sure. Um, this is a great opportunity to explore something that George Lucas really was was considering was going to be the main character. A lightsaber-wielding um, scoundrel smuggler that gets kind of pulled into all of this stuff. And as we read through A New Dawn, we find out that that describes Kanan pretty accurately. Um, he, you know, is is a scoundrel and a and a drifter and a vagabond and kind of gets pulled into this, not because he has all these grandiose ideas about changing the universe, but because 
he's just at the right place in the right time and has the right set of skills. Um, thank you, Liam Neeson, to be pulled into this environment and to make a difference. And he's a decent human being. Or the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, like Han Solo, is a, he's a scoundrel. but He is a scoundrel, but he's a decent human being. Yeah. And the, the, one, the one thing that we never do have in the Star Wars universe that, that we tend to have in most other science fiction universes is that, um, for the most part, your heroes are truly um, good people. They're, they're people with their hearts in the right place. All of the stuff that you want to talk about, you know, if anybody wants to talk about um, Darth Vader and the misunderstood stuff and all those kinds of things and the redemption of, of Darth Vader at the end of the films and the entire series is all about him, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I've heard it all before. The reality is, yeah, that might be part of it. But um, if Darth Vader is a pawn in a much larger scheme, Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Princess Leia, Han Solo, they're all genuinely good people. They may have checkered pasts. They may have incomplete backgrounds. Um, they may be. They may not necessarily be the best people for those roles um, of saving the galaxy from itself. But genuinely good human beings in the right place at the right time to do the right thing. Much like Ellen Venture. Just throwing that out there for okay. all you Mistborn yeah. fans out there. No, I'd, I'd absolutely take that. What, um, what is this Mistborn? <laughs> so I, was, I can't wait to get to book three. I was. Uh, tell me what you guys think of this. I was asked. Um, it, to sum up, somebody said, "Should I be watching Rebels?" And I said, "Yes, absolutely." And they said, "Why?" Tell me, tell me what it is in you know one paragraph or less. And I said, "Well, you remember Saturday morning cartoons from the '90s? This is a Saturday morning cartoon that airs on Monday nights on you know uh, on not basic cable. Um, you know, Saturday morning cartoons have kind of gone the way of the dodo. What's left is." Um, you know, not so good. Uh, but what we used to have, but you know, back in the '80s and the '90s, were, were cartoons with uh, with what I would call a moral weight behind them. Mm-hmm. And if you watch oh, yeah. the original 1977 Star Wars movie, that's what it was. It was a Saturday morning cartoon. It was an adventure. It was, you know, as George Lucas is fond of describing it, it is Buck Rogers. Uh, but it's something that has uh, a moral weight behind it, uh, driving that story, and I think that's exactly what we have again in in Rebels. So it felt to me like I, you know, I could have been watching an old Batman or an old Spider-Man Saturday morning cartoon, um, or an X-Men or whatever it is. But you know, here in the Star Wars universe, and I love that because mm-hmm. now it's it's not the same two-hour film that I have to watch over and over and over again. I get to see 22 minutes of Saturday morning cartoon. Get yourself a bowl of sugary cereal and sit down and watch 22 minutes of <laughs> yeah. sugar for your eyes. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, do you, did you think at all about um, Saturday morning cartoons while you were watching this? Uh, I didn't, but but when you mentioned that, that is that is part of the draw for me. Yeah, um, is that it is. Um, I'm not sure juvenile is the right word, but it is, but it is rejuvenating. Um, hey, for nice. Me. Because nice. it, because it is. And, and in, in the same way that those Saturday morning cartoons were, you always knew when you saw the super friends versus the Legion of doom, what the, what the moral was oh, going to be yeah. at the end of the episode. Um, and in, and much like much of, of children's TV, you, you see that, but they're not heavy handed with it. Um, in the episode that we just watched, um, you you recognize that that what you're going to see here, uh, aside from a revisiting of the 
there is no try line, um, you're going to get an opportunity to see Kanan make a decision. And you see it very early on that he's going to have to make a decision that is pivotal to this entire process. They telegraph it beautifully. They they illustrate it beautifully. And when he sits down to make the decision, um, it, it's not it's not unsatisfying. It's not like you say, oh, I saw that one coming. You say, no, they handled this well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Much like the Saturday morning cartoons that I used to watch. Yep. Ryan, you look like you have something to say. I'm, I really want to, you just talked about the last episode we just watched. Um, and in terms of Saturday morning cartoons, I watched a little blurb from the creator, Dave Filoni, um, about what they were looking to do. And that's something they did talk about is that they wanted it to have a Saturday morning, car- uh, Saturday morning cartoon feel. But when they were creating a villain, they didn't want the villain to be the Saturday morning cartoon villain because that's a villain that you never, they're almost the bumbling fool. You never really expect them to have a chance. And they wanted the villains in this. Mr. Wilkers. (laughs) They wanted the villains in this to be able to, (laughs) to be able to be something that you actually honestly believe that they may win a battle here or there. You know, they, you know, you, you're fairly certain in a a story like this, they're not going to win overall, but that they're, you're going to have episodes where they walk away having achieved their goals in this one. Um, and so when they introduced, all the way up to this point, I mean, they, when they first released this, uh, their information about Rebels back in Comic-Con and saying everything, they showed the Inquisitor as the villain. And it was like, oh, this is amazing. But we've gone for, this is the fourth episode, and he de- he doesn't show up for more than a blurb until the fourth episode. And we've had some great uh, villains uh, up to this point in uh, with this new uh, Imperial with security Callus. group. Agent Callus. Yeah. Agent Callus, who, by the way, the fight scene between Zeb and Callus. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was, that was cool. Really good. I was really impressed with... I, I have been very impressed with how they have handled the action sequences in this in this series so far. Because And, and let's be fair. It's a, it's a cartoon. Yeah, but they don't do some of the things that happen in cartoons of being over exaggerated in the physics, or of completely ignoring um, how some of these how some of these pieces have to interact in a physical universe. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Yoda, <coughs> excuse me. Wow, <laughs> they they do a great job of showing. Callus I mean, really lives up to his name. I mean, from from the very first episode where he's. Uh, thank you. What, I, I mean, he he's hanging, hanging there from a tower, and <laughs> the first time seeing a Jedi, for, sir. Yeah, the storm, the stormtrooper says, first time seeing a Jedi, sir. And what does Callus do? Kicks him off of the, off of the tower, right to his death. Oh, like, that's another oh, thing that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. The violence in this is, um, is not. It, it's not gory violence. I mean, there's not like blood spurts or anything, but. There, there are lots of deaths oh, yeah. that happen, and they're it's, all storm. It's the beauty. Deaths. It's the beauty of a stormtrooper, and you couldn't do the same thing with the clone troopers because the clone troopers had a face. Stormtroopers have a helmet, and yes, it's, it's a correct. very thin line for most for adults to see there. But as a kid, and when you're looking at that, you think the kids. It's a very. They're not processing the person underneath it generally, right? That's oh, there that guy had a wife and kids that he just threw over the yeah. edge, and that, that's absolutely true. And and you've heard. Oh, okay, maybe I've heard um, people who have watched kids who have watched Clone Wars, you know, who have seen Star Wars and then watch Clone Wars and see them without their helmets and equate all of a sudden that there's a face underneath that helmet and go, wait a second, 
there were people in those. I thought they were robots. Those were people. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden it takes on a whole new dynamic that they blow up the Death Star and they just shoot, you know. I never I've never loved that dynamic. And unfortunately, it was taken to its logical extreme in the prequels when George Lucas just made a droid army. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was highly unfortunate. So I'm glad we're back to Stormtroopers. Finally. We, well, I was rewatching A New Hope the other day with my wife and she actually we were at the they were in the Death Star and there were it was when they were first boarding the Millennium Falcon and this the stormtroopers come into the one room and and she's like they're different heights I thought they were all clones I'm like no at this point no yeah we have a little discussion about the the Imperial Aren't you a Academy short and, for a stormtrooper mm-hmm. by the way that's something I'm looking forward to in seven eight and nine is exploring that more about how stormtroopers are not clones anymore they're recruits. And in fact, they can be female, as we learn in A New Dawn, um, a very interesting deal. It was something that something that the comic book series had had been dealing with for a long time, that some of the stormtroopers were women. Um, it's just it's it's very interesting that there's an evolution to this storyline that takes place uh, once Camino is is gone, is is disappeared and they've made their money and they've. Uh, destroyed their their clone producing facilities. The Empire realizes they need to keep this going, and and their recruiting process is very gender neutral and brutal and brutal uh, and not very successful at training them on how to shoot. I'm very curious. <laughs> and okay, here's a question for you. You are now good old your JJ Abrams here, all right, and you've got a decision to make regarding stormtroopers. Do you stay true to that caveat that they can't, that they're terrible shots, or do you make, or do you fix that in seven and progress on that the stormtroopers are now, like some of them, you can have a crack shot. That's, I'd have a, I'd have a stormtrooper special forces. I think, I think not only do you have stormtroopers who can hit a target, but you will have stormtroopers without helmets. I'll tell you what I would do too. I would, I would change the blaster rifle. Here's the piece that I think. <laughs> no, no, no. Follow me through on this. No, no, no. I agree with you entirely. There was something else I was laughing about. The, 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 the weapon of the the weapon of default for a stormtrooper was the Blastec blaster rifle, and it was Eleven. it was a it was a hip fire. It was thing. well, it was a it was a combination weapon, and as a pistol, it was ungainly uh, and awkward. As a rifle. It was too short to be effective. Um, it's as a as a weapon. I think in many cases you can you can attribute a lot of the stormtrooper difficulty to the fact that that the vast majority of them are using this compromise weapon rather than a weapon that is designed to be a true rifle or a true short range pistol. They were always shooting these blaster rifles for the most part, at either extremely long ranges or at moving targets. I'm sorry, if you gentlemen have ever tried to shoot a rabbit, uh, have ever gone rabbit hunting with a 22 rifle and tried to shoot when t- tried to shoot a moving target uh, with a single projectile... Um, it ain't I, happening. I, I, I have tremendous respect for that. I watched a guy shoot an entire banana clip of 22 shells, 100 rounds, uh, and not hit a thing. Whereas another individual in our party... Um, close range we won't go into it but let's just say this 
when you're using a, a weapon of that nature at either moving targets or on, as a compromise weapon from a long distance, it's never going to work. Contrast that with what Obi-Wan Kenobi, when he, when he says only stormtroopers, only Imperial stormtroopers are this precise. I think we're talking about a situation where the weapon makes the difference. And so if I'm J.J. Abrams, the first thing I do is I, is I throw away that weapon or I modify it in some way to make it a more practical um, device that I can buy says, okay. yeah, this is a crack weapon. So I want, I want you guys to know, I, I've known Star Wars my whole life. I've loved Star Wars my whole life. I've talked about it my whole life. Never, ever, ever, ever have I heard somebody talk about blaster rifles as lengthily and well as Todd just did. <laughs> well, here's the thing about the, because <laughs> the E11. I'll take my geek card. Thank you. <laughs> the I, I found this amazing because even in the, uh, computer game series. If you played the Dark Forces series, the first you got two weapons. Yes. You got a blaster pistol and you got the E11 blaster rifle right off the bat. And what was the annoying thing about the E11? It would go all it, over the place. It was you had a imprecise. targeting reticle that was a circle and it would shoot somewhere in that circle, but never exactly in the center. Always somewhere around there. So you could never do the headshots you wanted to do with Dark Forces, which really wasn't, you know, that precise anyway when you're working with the graphics of the time. But I thought, isn't this amazing that even in the game series, they've taken this, how inaccurate this rifle is and held it true. I, I, I enjoyed it very much. I always laughed about it. And I always knew why stormtroopers were such a terrible shot. If that's you, why they're such a terrible shot in rebels too. Uh, I'll buy that because they are using the same weapon. They're yeah. using the same weapon. So, um, uh, everybody go watch star Wars rebels. Now, <laughs> Should we talk about some other Star Wars stuff as well? Um, I know Ryan's got some trivia ready to go. Well, I also... I have one other question about oh, the okay. Rebel series that I need to pose to our brain trust. All right, fine. Because my wife brought it up, and I didn't have a great answer, and I've had to do some research on it. So, The Inquisitor, all right? Official title, Sith Inquisitor. In this time, we have the Emperor, we have Darth Vader. There are always two. There are always only two, Only right? ever two. So how is he not a Sith yet Dark Force trained? Because if you read his his thing, which is how I got to his lightsaber deal, mm-hmm. he is Dark Force trained by Darth Vader and assigned to hunt down Jedi. How is he not a Sith? How do they not break the rule here? Um, I don't know. How, I mean, it, it, it's like anything else, right? Uh, he's JV. How, how did how did Count Dooku not break the rule when he was training Asajj Ventress? That but that was behind the that of... was behind the back. That was that was a that was a secret thing. The same way if you play the secret Force Unleashed thing. series, Darth Vader has an apprentice that right. he trains, you know, to help Star take down Killer. the yes, <laughs> convenient use of the original Luke name. I like the nice callback personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I I didn't like pulling a Star Destroyer out of space with the Force. Well, yeah. um, I. I I remember reading something about this. Um, I th- didn't it have something to do with the fact that he was not being given full access to all of the information about how to use his force powers? He was being trained. Um, he was trained by Darth Vader specifically to use a few um, force enhanced abilities, but not to the same extent because he can't sense um, other Jedi. He, he doesn't have the, uh, the affinity to the force to be able to do some of those kinds of things, but he is touched by the force enough that he can, uh, take advantage that of the like speed, the jump, that sounds like a really good a pop song or a very terrible force. lifetime 
TV series Ooh, nice. crosser yeah, touched like by the force too. with Roma Downey. He's um, he, he's <laughs> oh wow. He's in the Sith, but not of the Sith. On Dandoran, follow Roma Downey. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you playing Star Wars Commander, Yoda loves you. He has always loved you. Whoa. <laughs> This took a dark, dark turn, <laughs> or a but. light, light turn. <laughs> <laughs> no, and the the other oh, thing about dear. the Inquisitor with this whole thing about him not being Sith but being Sith at the same time, did anyone else get a little bit of a Thrawn vibe on him? Mm. Because his thing is that he has studied the Jedi Temple oh, archives so much that he can tell who a Jedi was trained by and know how to defeat them. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, that's interesting. Where it's um, it's, um, it's your complete and thorough knowledge of a subject that gives you mastery I, over my it. thought was if grand admiral thrawn and darth maul had a child <laughs> and then spun it around a lot yeah Ooh, <laughs> since i've never read the get... thrawn books i i don't know i'm i'm just trying to get past the child <laughs> thing <laughs> blue with horns wow um you got kind of the, the the gray, so you got you know a little bit from both parents there. I, anyway, we're going to move on before we totally lose all of our listenership. Yeah, based really. on this <laughs> um, mating of two terrible characters. So great characters, I, I do want to talk about uh, two other things. Uh, well, one other thing, and then Ryan's uh, trivia. Um, do you guys realize what happened this week online? The Geo- release of Geo- Star Geo- Wars. Uh, you're talking about the game. I am. Oh, I yeah. am. X-wing Tie Fighter. Uh, <laughs> Anybody, anybody who was conscious. What was that sound? <laughs> anybody who was conscious of anything Star Wars in the '90s loved, I think, loved the the flight simulator games. Yes, I did. Oh yeah, they we were the standard did. by which every other flight sim- space flight simulator oh, was judged. Yeah. And uh, and they were re-released. And Yay. so Ryan, I think Ryan, you were the one that sent this out. You you gave a blast to the whole Legendarium crew here, and uh, and you said, hey, you guys check out what's happening and i said oh that's awesome hang on a second i went on amazon and immediately ordered a joystick and it arrived (laughs) the day that uh, the game came out i have saved my usb joystick for just this day (laughs) i was actually really frustrated with a lot of my old games from the 90s not just star wars games but lots of stuff uh that that doesn't work on windows anymore so i have these cd-roms sitting around that they and they don't work it's a little frustrating to have to pay another 10 bucks to get it, but at the same time, hey, 10 bucks for, you know, some wonderful nostalgia. 10 and bucks I, is 10 bucks. I will say this to anybody who's listening who played these games back in the day, uh, in my opinion, and I am but one very, very handsome and intelligent man. Um, <laughs> and it, humble, too. They have, there's X-Wing and there's TIE Fighter. I would skip X-Wing and just get TIE Fighter. TIE Fighter is the far superior game. Um, and but while they both have a nostalgic uh, feel to it, mm-hmm. Tie Fighter is a much superior game. I I put in X Wing. I started playing X Wing. I got a mission or two in, and then yeah, I thought, oh, I want to go play Tie Fighter, and it sucked me in again. Tie I Fighter was, Tie Fighter was easier to play. Um, I think it's I think its interface was easier. I think its control assumptions were easier. X Wing had me working for hours trying to trying to get some mastery on the flight sim itself tie fighter i didn't have that problem if you if you want to play as the good guys uh, go get x-wing alliance yes um, yes that was a fantastic game or rogue squadron and play it on get yourself a game cube yeah the really good news as exciting as it is that these two are, are out oh yours is knights of the old republic right 
No, years. I do love Knights of the Old Republic because I love the story of Darth Revan, but which was a good story. Yeah, it was fantastic. That's why I, he loves I have it. It's it a here. wonderful game. I have it. I have the Jedi, uh, the Dark Forces Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast mm-hmm. series as well. Um, but for me, the big thing here is the, the company that does this is it's goodoldgames.com. It's GOG.com that put these out. And boy, we'd love to have you sponsor us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't just the release of these two. They released, they've worked out a thing with Disney and LucasArts to release a number of the games that LucasArts put out mm-hmm. over time. So they released right now X-Wing and TIE Fighter were the big, they were the marquee names that were released. But they also released... Um, Monkey Island? Monkey uh, Curse of Monkey Island. No, this it's the original. Yeah. Cool. The original Monkey so there's, Island. Yeah, you have Monkey Island. They released the Salmon Max story. Indiana uh, Jones was a Indiana big one. Indiana Jones. So they've released these. These are some of the the earlier ones. But you can. They've already said that they have. And I want to say, Dash I, Rendar. I can't remember if it. There's. They have a good. They were saying something like they have about sixty titles they're working on getting f- brought wow. forward from LucasArts. I didn't realize LucasArts had that many out, but they have that many titles that they're looking to bring out in the future. So this is one of the things where I can go back and say, hey. Does that mean I'm going to get my Rebel Assault 2 back? Oh, <laughs> I that love is Rebel so Assault. much fun. Uh, you know, am I going to get uh, Rogue Squadron? Am I going to get some of these other games that I just absolutely loved? And I do hope so. And it's going to make I'd love me... to be able to play Rogue, Squ- Rogue Squadron with a, a full joystick. Well, and, and then you've cool. also got... There's there's really a... I mean, I wouldn't say a renaissance, but certainly a, a, a rebirth of interest with J.J. Abrams helming this series of films in all things Star Wars, because we've also got Battlefront, uh, which is not going to be Battlefront 3. It's going to be Battlefront. Star Wars Battlefront is coming out for all of the major game consoles with significant improvements over what it was before. Um, I enjoyed Star Wars Battlefront when it came out and Battlefront 2. I played them both. Um, In fact, those were, aside from my racing games, those were the only two games that I played for a very, very, very long time. I used to love trying to figure out which side I would rather use to dominate the universe, and I was always successful. Um, But, you know, those those kinds of things, there's a a very strong interest in all of those pieces, so it's exciting to see. Yeah, Battlefront 2 is one of the few I still play on my PS2, that and Bounty Hunter. Bounty Hunter was a cool game. Fantastic. And that is something, you know, talking about something that we had mentioned earlier. What things are we going to see in the meantime? I would love to see some development. I mean, here we've got one of the most interesting pieces of of Star Wars lore. The Mandalorians? Um, The Mandalorians that become these tremendously effective bounty hunters. We also have the contrast of the Empire that supposedly is in control of everything, can see everything, can do everything. But when it comes to finding the really bad guys, they employ bounty hunters. They don't employ their special forces most of the time, as we see in The Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader bringing aboard bounty hunters to try and find Han Solo. Um, I Bounty hunters hold a very particular place in the Star Wars universe. I hope we get to see them. I, I love that. I love that. Um, speaking of obscure bits of Star Wars knowledge, uh, Ryan, are you ready to drop some on us? I got a few questions here. I, I went and I, I found a, it was a quiz labeled things so, uh, so random that only George would know the answers to oh, <laughs> 15 yeah, right. questions, um, 15 right when I took it. So we're going to go ahead and let <laughs> some of those go. Cause All there's right. wow, George. All right. 
don't don't I don't have the facial hair nor the this the third girth. chin. <laughs> I wonder if I'll know any of these. So all right, I, I, so, so how are we gonna do this? Give us the rules here. Um, Ryan is is administering the Star Wars quiz, the Star Wars quiz master. All right, I need uh, what I need. I think is uh, each of you needs to come up with a buzzer for me. Ding ding. <laughs> Ken, what's yours? Hey. <laughs> Minus la 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 la. I really hope Craig answers a lot of these. <laughs> so these ones, uh, I'm going to pull a few that I've written and a few that are from this this quiz. And really, they're not they're things that just about every fan would know on this one. To be honest, <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Um, so to give you an example, oh, are this, so this is an example. We're not playing on this one. Uh, you know, I'll, we'll throw this out. First okay. question here. This is the first one. All right, who manned the bottom gun turret of the Millennium Falcon? Ding ding. Hey. <laughs> Todd. That would be Luke Skywalker. That is correct. <laughs> All right. Do I get to go double or nothing? <laughs> Question number two here. No whammies, no whammies. Question number two. How many landing struts does an X-Wing ding, ding. have? Oh. <laughs> Just stop it. <laughs> that would be three. That is Wait, correct. So do we need to wait till you finish the question? I need, I need because I can just no, go in I, front of him and then uh, hope that I know the answer. Should I done. should I lean no. back from my microphone to give them an extra second or two? No, uh, no. First one to first one to buzz in. All right, you can cut in as soon as you feel you know the answer. I hate you guys so much. <laughs> all right, how many troops patrolled the Endor bunkers back entrance? La 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 la. <laughs> Craig, an entire legion of my best troops await them. <laughs> that is true later on but not they were not the ones patrolling two incorrect uh, final guess oh it's three no oh, dang. i thought it i i honestly don't remember i think it was only a squad four four is correct oh gosh Can four is correct we're really getting our butts kicked here all right so i'm gonna go to one of my questions here and this one is one you should know it's uh if you can recite the quote. La, 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 la. 94. <laughs> Docking Bay 94. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it does have to do with a number. Okay. Subblock 1138. How many guns do you think? Gold 5. Ding, ding. <gasps> oh. Oh. oh <laughs> damn it. No. <laughs> I know this one. I'd say about 20 on the surface, 20 on the towers. <laughs> Hold on. I may have to go double check because I don't think that's say correct. Say about 20 guns, some on the surface, surface some, some on, on the, the towers. towers. Oh, you are I correct. Win. Craig takes that yes. one. Yes. All right. Uh, here's a, another one fa- on the attack on the first Death Star. How many snub <laughs> fighters were there when they attacked the first ding, ding. Death Star? 30. Correct. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're just going to toss this to Todd. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what is the political body that Leia is a member of? La, 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 la. Yeah, the Imperial Senate. That is correct. It's a good thing you said Imperial Senate because it was the Imperial Senate that was dissolved. It was no longer the Republic Senate. It was no longer the Galactic Senate. I'm just going to sit back and listen to you guys. (laughs) Here's a... I know these. I just... Cool. (laughs) I just know I'm slower. Here's a generic film, a generic filming question about it. There was a specific scene that was actually written to deal with something what led to the writing and filming of the Wampa scene in The Empire Strikes Back? La, 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 la. Craig. Luke's car accident. Or, well, <laughs> Mark Hamill's car accident. That is correct. Mark Hamill got into a car accident. Got had to have dip- his nose reconstructed. Had some disfigurement, and they had to figure out a way to make Luke have that same piece, so they wrote the Wampa scene. All right. Here, here's going to be my last trivia question for you here. 
Name the working title of Return of the Jedi. La 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 la. Revenge of the Jedi. False. Oh, the working title. Ding, ding. Oh, doggone it. Return of the Jedi. False. No. Um. Oh, gosh. I, I can't remember. But I'm going to know as soon as you say it. The answer? Blue Harvest. Yes. Oh, that, that's right. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, I when do they were filming that. up in the Redwoods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Blue yeah, Harvest. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nicely done, Ryan. Finding something to stump me on. Yeah, I, I was I was getting game. concerned that everyone was going to know every single thing that I had to ask. And I was going to have to turn to something like, <laughs> what is the uh, written language of the Star Wars universe? Oh, I don't even know the answer to that. Uh, basic. Uh, no, no, it's, it's not the spoken basic. spoken language. I don't know. Arabesh. Okay. Wow. Name um, the metal that cannot be cut by a lightsaber. Ooh, um, I know adamantium. Oh. No, wrong, wrong, wrong world. No, it's all Disney now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It starts with a K. Um, C, but you're close. Is this um, Tolkien or not Tolkien? Just kidding. It is, right. It's a C pronounced So what's Tolkien. the name of it? Cortosis. Cortosis. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, well done. Um, a cortosis I, blade always shows up in the Knights of the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. I will not say that we are all Star Wars out, but I will say that uh, it is 1230 at night, and um, Ryan has wreaked his revenge on me for an 8 a.m. Uh, recording a couple weeks ago. Scary thing is Ryan could go for another couple of hours. Oh, yes. I'm sure he could. Oh, yeah. I could we haven't not. even touched a new dawn. If you guys think that my jokes were bad before, just <laughs> wait until you know the night wears on. It's uh, It only goes downhill from here, folks. You know, we should, we should mention that um, a new dawn if you if you're interested in rebels and you were enjoying rebels uh, picking up a new dawn and no we're not being paid for this one um, although we would love to be um, a new dawn is a is a great piece to help fill in some out. details on that you're not i'll sell out give me money <laughs> <laughs> whatever we would sell out so quick <laughs> um, no it's uh, i yeah i think you're right i haven't read it but all the reports are coming back saying that it's uh, that it's very well done well the beauty of the way rebels is written is that it's written so that you don't have to read it mm-hmm. but if you want but it to fills in some oh gaps. It, it fills in lots of gaps there are things that that they will say in rebels that you'll go i don't understand that what that is but you don't necessarily need to but you get an idea of what they were talking mm-hmm. about if you read a new dawn and it is a it's a good read. Yeah, it is. One of the it's it's very much a level one read. Um, there's mm-hmm. a couple of places where it goes level two, but not very much um, on our scale of fantasy. Um, and it's and it's not a, it's not been a badly put together piece of literature. Yeah. All right. And watch ahead. Uh, I was speaking with someone today. I guess in January is when uh, the Di- when Disney and whoever is now running the comic series for Star Wars will be releasing their new. They're going to start their new comic series since the Dark Horse got rid of it. Oh, hallelujah! Yeah. So come January, I'm going to be I'm going to be jumping on board some of the first rounds of the Star Wars comics. And I think uh, keep this in mind if you're listening, you know, relatively close to when this publishes, uh, Tarkin comes out soon too. Mm, yeah. So get a new dawn, read that because the next one comes out. And, and so. we didn't even let Ken get in his little talk about Sheev. Oh gosh. Sheev. Um, yeah. Sheev. You'll rule the universe one day, Sheev. <laughs> we'll get to that one later. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I'm pretty sure that they named him Sheev because they couldn't say Steve. <laughs> <laughs> His father had a speech impediment. Steve is sexy. Sheev. Sheev, you're going to rule Sheev the Palpatine. galaxy one day. Uh, wow. Sheev Palpatine. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I hate uh, my father. <laughs> let's get I, your grandfather Sebastian Shadow Palpatine would be so proud of you, Steve. Oh, I'm trying so hard to sign off, you guys. <laughs> so hard before you do more damage than you've already done uh before we do though i will um tease very quickly we are going to have a yeah i've already talked about the, the next few episodes that we're doing but we will be doing a very special edition of the legendarium podcast um i won't say what it is in fact i'm thinking i will not reveal what it is until we actually release that episode um, but if you've been following us so far and, and you've enjoyed it, I hang in there. You're going to have a lot of fun in, I don't know what, a month or two when we put this uh, special podcast together. Uh, it's going to be a freaking riot. I'm just and really hoping he tells us what it is before we come in to do it. <laughs> don't you remember? This was the thing that we talked about in detention block so, A23. Uh, yeah. So get very excited. Uh, make sure that you are, um, uh, adequately emotionally, emotionally prepared for what's about to happen so uh thanks you guys uh once again for coming in and we will reconvene shortly for the last part of Mistborn. Yay. i'm out of it for a little while everybody gets delusions of grandeur Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com.